All right. Well, good morning, gentlemen. I've uh, been looking forward to spending this time with you, and I just want to say thank you for being here. Um, it says a lot. You'd wake up early, rise early, to purposefully come, gather together, and uh, discuss, hey, how can we uh, better parent, shepherd, and, and lead our kids? And so uh, I really appreciate you making the effort to be up here. So um, Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, I don't know about you. I can think of many things I'm devoted to, right? But when I read Colossians 4.2, it stops me a little bit, and I have to ask myself, could you say that I'm devoted to prayer? Like, think about the things you're devoted to. Maybe you're devoted to your golf game, lowering your score. You're devoted to your favorite college football team, right? You're devoted to exercise. What are the things you are devoted to? If I were to ask your kids, hey, what's your dad devoted to, or your wife, what do you think they would say? Now, I'm not asking this just kind of for grins. I'm, I'm really, I really want you to think about it for a second. What is it that you think you are devoted to, but then if I were to ask your wife and kids, those closest to you, hey, what's he devoted to? Would the list be the same? Would there be a difference? And would prayer even be on that list? Um, I remember when I was in college, I was dating my wife, Rebecca, and um, I was just getting to know her. I was learning a little bit about her family. And uh, this, this still makes me laugh. She was blessed to grow up with a dad who was genuinely devoted to prayer. And in her mind, because she saw it modeled in her dad, she just thought, well, that's just kind of how all dads live. She was used to, I remember her saying, I wake up every morning, I walk by my dad's study, the door's closed, and underneath the door, the light is on, and my dad, he wakes up every morning, he spends time with God, and he prays. And I just looked at her and I go, Rebecca, do you realize what a gift that is? Like, because she saw her dad model devotion to prayer every day, it felt normal in her home. Prayer was not just something they did before they ate a meal. Prayer was something her dad spoke of often, practiced personally, and then modeled for their family. It wasn't unusual at all to wake up and see that her dad was praying or receive a note of what her dad's praying for, or for her dad just to stop in the middle of their time of a conversation, go, hey, let's pray about that. And, her dad, and so she would say, hey, my dad was devoted to prayer. Now, he was also devoted to his golf game, which is a great thing. But prayer was certainly near the top of that list. Now, listen, one, these conversations, the reason why I'm always a little uh, reticent to talk about passages like, Colossians 4.2 is I know for all of us, when we hear that, 
and we think about what we're devoted to, it creates in us a, a little sense of guilt, obligation, and a sense of like, hey, I'm not measuring that. That's not what this talk is. This talk is not to, it's not a legalistic talk. It's not a sense to make you feel guilty about how much you pray or don't pray, right? If anything, I want to change just your mindset, your mind frame about prayer, because I think if I can do that, that's going to help you uh, approach prayer differently, and then hopefully learn how to devote yourselves to prayer. But I don't want this to be a talk that's it induces guilt, right? Um, you talk about exercise, talk about diets, talk about flossing, and what's everybody do? They're like, oh yeah, I need to do that more. And, and prayer's one of those, okay? But I think everyone in here values prayer. I think everyone in here values prayer. And I think everyone in here is saying, hey, you know what? I could, I could take steps to increase my devotion. And so I'm going to share a few words with you. And, but then in a little bit, a couple of my friends are going to come up here and we're going to talk real practically. What does that look like? Okay. And so um, we're going to answer the questions. What is prayer? What does prayer reveal? And how are we to pray? And that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time at the very end. Just how are we, how are we to pray? Well, real simply, you guys know this. Prayer is it's just simply a conversation with God, right? Prayer is a conversation with God. Now, if you think about that, it's a conversation. A conversation implies that there's communication both ways. It's not just you talking, but it's a conversation where we pray and we listen and we read God's word and we meditate on his word. But it's funny how we've comp we complicate prayer. And what I want to share with you is prayer is not a performance. It's not <clears throat> a bargaining chip, a mindless superstition, or a shopping list of requests. But I think that's oftentimes how we approach prayer. This is uh, one of the things Jesus warned us about, right? In Matthew chapter 6, what do he say? He said, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. That just has performance written all over it. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. <clears throat> and your father who is in, sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for they think they will be heard for their many words. That's just superstition. Right? We just think that if we repeat certain phrases, if we say them often enough, if we say, say it many times, that somehow we will coerce the Lord. And Jesus warns against, warns against that and says, hey, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. And it's at this point, he says, so therefore, pray like this. And then he shares what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to encourage you, I don't have the time in the 15 minutes we have here to go through that prayer, but I did give a message on that where I walked for 45 minutes through that prayer. Um, and I think it could be a helpful resource to you. And I'd also commend to you Al Mohler's book, on the Lord's Prayer. 
It's one of the best books on prayer I've read. It's short. Um, it's accessible. It's easy to understand. And so I would commend it to you. It's Al Mohler's book on prayer. It's specifically, he walks through the Lord's Prayer and how that's a model for us and how it shapes how we are to pray. If you enjoy that book and you want to go a little bit deeper, as Wes said, another tool I just want to put in front of you, a resource, is Keller's book on prayer. It's excellent. It's, it's excellent. It's a little heady, um, but I could not commend it to you enough. It's one of those books that I will return to and read over and over. But this is what I want, I hope, um, to do this morning primarily, is I want, I want you to think about what prayer reveals. Think about what prayer reveals. In his book, which I just mentioned to you, uh, Moeller says this, our prayers reveal our deepest convictions about God, about ourselves, about the world around us. Every word we utter in prayer, every idea and concept that we form as we pray, and every emotion that flows out of our heart is a reflection of what we believe about God and about the gospel of Christ. I want you to think about that. Our prayers reveal what we think about God. If you believe that God is holy and righteous and without sin, he's perfect in all of his ways, don't you think you will approach him differently? If you believe that God is sovereign, that nothing can thwart his plan, that nothing is hidden from his sight, that he is all-knowing, omniscient, that he's providentially at work in every one of your lives, and that he's good. Doesn't that impact the way in which we pray? If we really believe that, if we really believe that God is holy and without sin, certainly confession will be a routine part of our prayer. Because you're praying to a holy God and you really believe that he's without sin. Of course, then that should stop you and cause you to reflect on who you're praying to. If you believe that he is perfect in all of his ways, if you believe that God is the giver of all good gifts, as James 1 says, if you believe that he is the giver of all good gifts, don't you think that your prayers will be filled with gratitude? Your prayers reveal really what you think about God and what you think about yourself. If we just simply kind of pray superstitiously, pray with empty phrases, Lord bless, Lord bless, Lord bless, when we really don't even know what that means other than bless. If we're just going throughout our day hurried and we only go to him in times of our greatest need, what does that say about what we, what we think really about who God is? It's just something to think about. My hope would be that you would 
consider what Matthew 7 says. Now consider how, what this teaches us about God. It says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of him? What does this passage teach us about God? I want you to think about just three quick observations, right? The first thing is this, is that we are invited to ask, seek, and knock. This is a pretty amazing thought, isn't it? That the creator of heaven and earth, the one who is sovereign, the one who is good, the one who is holy, the one who is righteous, perfect in all of his ways, providentially at work in each of our lives, invites each of us to come to him. To come to him in prayer. The second thing is, is that the love we feel for our children pales in comparison to the Father's love for us. He says that in the passage, does he not? He's saying, hey, look, you is just dads. Which one of you, if his son comes to him in a time of need, is going to give him a snake? The answer is, of course you're not going to do that. Why? Because you love your kids. So how much more so your heavenly father Right? The one who is ultimately good, the good father, who always has your best interests in mind, why do you suppose that he would give you anything less than what is best for you? And the third point is just that, that the Lord always has our best interests in mind. Last night, I was just telling some friends earlier, I got a phone call from my daughter. And um, she's in her first year at college at at Auburn in Alabama. And she calls, she goes, hey, dad, I don't want you to be worried, but that's never your first phrase you love to hear. But um, the library, I think the library is being locked down and I'm in the library. And hey, uh, (laughs) well, Avery, why do you think that? What do you see? What do you hear? What's going on? And um, she said, well, I'm getting multiple group texts from my sorority and my friends. And everybody's saying that the library is being locked down, that someone was, there was an attempted abduction. And so the police are supposedly outside. So um, it all turns out that, of course, um, there was a rumor that was spread, which created some panic because of some recent events on that campus. And so it was not true. I called the police department and confirmed, hey, there wasn't a threat. But in my mind and in my heart, I just thought for a second, is there anything in the world I wouldn't do for my daughter at that moment? Right? And how grateful I am that when in one of a time where she was nervous, who did she call? But she called us. Why? Because she knows that we love her, 
that we have our best interest in mind. And what I would suggest to you is that our love for our kids pales in comparison to God's love for us. And how many of us live with that mindset of, hey, God is good, he is holy, he is kind, he's the giver of all good gifts, he's providentially at work in my life, he always has my best interest in mind. And so I go to him and I pray. Not to check a box, not to coerce, not to fulfill some spiritual um, superstition, but to commune with God to know him more. So how are we to pray? Well, there's, the Bible's pretty clear about how we are to pray. And I put 10 items up here, and we're going to unpack these and what they mean here in a little bit, because I want to just spend the bulk of our time talking about practically what this looks like. But number one, we're to pray regularly. We are to pray regularly. And what I mean by that is it should be a habit of ours, a time that we set aside to pray. For me personally, I, I, and again, I don't want this to sound legalistic. Some of you might be night owls. I am not, right? I'm a morning person. And so, but for me, the, the time in which I've set aside to pray on a regular basis is in the morning. I believe the battle for every day is one in the morning. I heard that a long time ago, and I think it's true. And so I pray, have a, a time with the Lord to pray in the morning. But we're not just to pray for a certain time during the day. We're to pray spontaneously. My hope and my prayer for you would be, and this is so important, that it would not be strange at all for your kids to grow up in a home where they would see you model, hey, you know what? You're worried about your soccer game. You're worried about your grades. You're worried about your friends. Something happened in school. Hey, you know what? Let's pray about that. My hope would be that would never be an awkward thing because you would always model it spontaneously. Um, we do that in my family all the time. We might be driving into the car. We might be uh, talking on the phone. And I'll just go, hey, you know, let's pray about that. So uh, pray audibly. What I mean by that is you should pray with your family. Your, your kids should hear you pray. And again, prayer is not a performance, but you are teaching them something when you pray. You are modeling it. You are training them to understand what prayer is and how to pray. Pray privately, pray reverently, recognizing that we pray to a God who is righteous, holy, and perfect. Pray honestly. I always grab the Psalms, right? Because it's a reminder to me that we have a God who can take um, the authentic, authentic, honest prayers, right? Psalm 13, where are you, God? How come, how come it feels like you're asleep at the wheel? How come you're not answering my prayer? Psalm 37, why is it the just seems to be getting away with their wickedness? The unjust, rather, seems to be getting away with their wickedness right now. Why do you allow evil to continue? Those are honest prayers. Pray intentionally. Um, simple habits there are to think about this, probably in here, all of us pray kind of in the same categories, pray for our family, pray for our friends, pray for work, pray for church, but to take and be very intentional, but to take a day out of the week, right? To think about, hey, on Mondays, I pray for this group of friends. On Tuesdays, I pray for my church. Maybe on Fridays, I pray for the sick. Whatever it might be, but be intentional in your prayers. Pray boldly, pray expectantly, pray biblically, which we'll unpack here in a little bit, 
of how you use scripture to pray. And then the last point I want to make before these guys come up, and that is um, a little Puritan uh, discipline in teaching. And what the Puritans would say is pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. And you may go, what in the world? What does that mean? So uh, D.A. Carson, his book, he said this, what the Puritans mean is that Christians should pray long enough and honestly enough at a single session to get past the feeling of formalism and unreality that attends not a little praying. We're especially prone to such feelings when we pray for only a few minutes, rushing to be done with a mere duty. To enter the spirit of prayer, we must stick to it for a while. If we pray until we pray, eventually we come to delight in God's presence, to rest in his love, and to cherish his will. I end with this because um, I think this is the greatest counsel I would give you. To pray until you pray. The reality is we are rushed, we're distracted, our phones are going off, we're thinking about the things we need to do during our day, right? And it takes time to quiet your heart, to quiet your mind, to focus and to pray. And I know the difference between what I've mechanically just prayed, kind of checking the box, and when I have communed with God when I have spent time with him and allowed him to refresh my soul. This is no different than when you go out on your date night with your bride, right? And you have superficial conversation where you're just doing business, transaction, who's picking up the kids, what are you doing this weekend, what'd you do today, right? And you're just kind of going through it like this versus a conversation where you're wetting your hearts together, where you're getting to know your wife, where you're solely focused, where you're not looking at your phone, and there's no difference. And so I would just commend to you to pray until you pray. In other words, you sit there and you're still and you pray until you're not distracted by the 400 things going on. You need to find a quiet place. You need to find a, a quiet um, hour. And then finally, you need to quiet your heart. And that's my greatest um, counsel to you and greatest encouragement to you is pray until you pray, all right? And so with that, I'm gonna pray and then ask these guys to come up here. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning acknowledging that you are a good God who always has our best interests in mind, that you are in heaven, that your name is holy, that you are sovereign. We confess to you, Lord, that we are distracted by so many things. The Lord, we just want to get busy. We want to, we want to check the box and do the things and, that uh, are in front of us for the day. We want to accomplish the tasks ahead of us. We want to see immediate, tangible results. And we fail, Lord, to, to stop and cultivate that relationship with you through prayer that you invite us to. Father, would you deepen our devotion for you in prayer, 
through time in your word, through the richness of community? Lord, would you help each one of us to, to not be burdened by legalism or feel coerced or, or guilt in, in prayer, Lord, but may we see it for what it is, a great privilege to think that we could stop and pray to the one who spoke this earth into existence, who created us so we can have a relationship with you, who's made a way through your son, his death, burial, and resurrection for us to be able to come to you in prayer. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through a ceremonial cleansing. We can simply stop and pray to the one who knows our every need and cares for us. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you always have our best interest in mind. Show us, Lord, where our faith is ill-informed and unbiblical, where we have the wrong mindset about you. And draw us, Lord, closer to you, that we would make this a greater priority because we're more and more convinced of our dependence upon you and your love for us. Grow our affections. May our kids see that. May they see the devotion that we have to know you more through prayer. Thank you for this time for these men who would wake up early, Lord, to come and, and just learn how they could raise this value in their home and model it for their wife and their kids. And so may you bless the remaining time that we have as we just consider very practically what this looks like. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Blake. All right, well, I'm excited to uh, welcome these other guys up here. And so, uh, as Blake said, we want to get as practical as we can of, and what does this really look like in the life of our families? And so, I'm excited for you guys to hear from uh, these friends. So, you guys uh, might remember Mickey from a couple of months ago. If you were here back in September, Mickey led us, and uh, his wife, uh, he and his wife Jessica, have been married for 14 years. They've got four kids Mila, Bay, Knox, and Goldie. So, 14 down to three. All kinds of fun there. And, uh, and so uh, Mickey and uh, Jessica have served in a lot of different capacities here, whether it's uh, foundation groups or um, our marriage ministry community uh, shepherd now and campus shepherd now. And so uh, thrilled for that. And then Ben Caldwell, he and his wife, Terry, have been married for seven years and they've got uh, four kiddos. Uh, and Ben, you said this, you are that family. So we've got Cade, Callie, Kaylin, and Corbeth. Is that right? Yeah, we are that family, he said. Uh, and so uh, that's uh, five years old down to eight months old and uh, all the sleep that you can handle, right? That's right. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, and Ben has led, has been around here for a long time, has led uh, with me here and our community team back in the day and is still doing that and uh, leading in a number of different ways. But I wanted to let you hear from these guys. Uh, first thing I'd love to do, you know, Blake talked about Rebecca's family and her dad and just how impactful. I was that kid too, by God's grace. My, my dad's office was right across the uh, hallway from my room and I would wake up at 5 a.m. every morning, see that light go on. I knew my dad wasn't in there just kind of getting his next business deal ready. He was in God's word. He was praying for me, all that. But I know that you guys, that's not necessarily y'all's story. So how, how have you guys, what has been the influences that have uh, given you an attitude and a spirit of prayer? Because I don't think that's your family uh, of origin story. So Ben, you want to share just a little bit of kind of that history? Uh, family history? Yeah, just family history. And then like what has influenced you to be the man of God that you long to be today and, and uh, how you've thought about prayer in your family? 
Yeah, I think for me, a little bit of my background and what I grew up in is uh, I grew up in a home where uh, my folks divorced when I was young. And so really growing up, uh, I grew up with a single mom. And so it was me, my mom, and my younger sister. And my earliest memories of my dad were him staying at home uh, in his underwear reading the paper uh, while mom took us to church. And so there really wasn't a lot of example for me from my dad uh, of prayer. Uh, And honestly, uh, to this day, that uh, is still really true, although I love him a whole lot. Uh, But God, in his kindness to me, uh, when I was a young man, really just high school age, uh, I came to faith in Christ, uh, and he placed uh, a high school chemistry teacher uh, in my life who loved Jesus, who walked deeply with him, and who was committed to making disciples. And really, that man became like a spiritual dad to me. And he helped me to understand the new faith uh, that I had discovered in Jesus and what it was to grow in that faith, uh, what it was to read my Bible and to pray and uh, and to be committed to the things of God and to be God's man. Uh, And so uh, early on, that's what it looked like for me. And over the years, I'd say the common theme has been uh, men who have not necessarily been, well, not my physical dad, not my earthly dad, but who have been spiritual fathers through their intentional investment in modeling before me uh, of the importance uh, of being a man uh, who stills his heart before God uh, and who um, shares his heart with earnestness and honestness before God um, and allows his heart to be conformed to God's heart uh, in those still moments. Yeah, Mickey, what about for you, bud? Yeah, so I definitely didn't have a model growing up. You know, even the Bible, it was kind of a dust collector. We took it to church to get our check mark, and prayer was just something we did before a meal, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, and prayed before bed. And uh, so whenever I came in uh, to adulthood, started to run after uh, Jesus and myself, um, it's something I did because I was supposed to, but it was nothing that I had passionate about, that I wasn't passionate about, and I definitely didn't feel like it was <clears throat> super important. A lot of times I would live in my own strength and then only whenever I had to fall on my knees in prayer. And so I think that's what God's used to, to help me understand just the necessity of prayer is he's let me try to love my wife and, and love and, and raise our kids in my own strength until I fall on my knees without the, without the answers uh, that I need. And then he just welcomes me in and says, hey, if you had started here in prayer, we could have done this a little bit differently. And so I've learned through that cycle of, of trying it on my own and, and, and having to fall back on God to, to realize, man, if I will just try to abide with God to start with, um, he leads us in green pastures, even when it's tough, even when I don't have the answers but I'm, I'm abiding in him first. And so I, I've learned the hard way that, that I've got to start with prayer and that that's where life is found. That's good. And you're telling us the rub-a-dub-dub prayer is not, we don't want to. I'm not saying it's bad. Okay, I, mean, I was just checking. But yeah, it's the start of a <laughs> good a prayer. Start. It's, it's good. not the end of a good there prayer. There you go. All yeah. right. <laughs> well, uh, hey, we left these 10 things up here just so that we can kind of interact with them and, and just talk about what does this look like in our families. And so I know a few of these are, we're not going to have time to go through all 10 of these, obviously, but um, yeah, I'd just love to, to hear maybe, Ben, let's start with you. Yeah. Uh, you talked about just praying regularly is something that is just a, a discipline that you've developed. And so talk with us a little bit about what that looks like. What does that look like for you and Terry doing that together, your family? And uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, Wes. Uh, I, when I think about praying regularly in our family, uh, and just a reminder, you know, for me in my home, we're uh, four kids, uh, five and under, uh, and so a little bit of what I'll share is what that looks like for us in this season of parenthood. Uh, and I would say just the first area of regular prayer is uh, just in my personal time, 
Uh, and so, I, like Blake, I'm a morning guy, uh, and that's getting up before the kids get up, and, and that is where the battle is won. Uh, and it never fails that if I hit snooze uh, on my alarm uh, and just try to catch that extra little bit of sleep, it's guaranteed that that's going to be the morning that the kids are going to wake up extra early. And guess what? Dad's prayer time is not going to look the way that he thought it should look. And so for me, really, a battle does begin in waking up when I intend to, stealing my heart uh, before God uh, and praying for my family. Uh, and then kind of the areas of regular prayer for us, here's what it looks like. Uh, is it, so mornings, I get the privilege of taking my kindergartner to school. Uh, and those are times that I really cherish. I love them. We're in the car together. Usually we'll uh, grab a proverb. I'll let him pick uh, the proverb of the day. Uh, hey, if there's 20... Five verses in that uh, chapter, you know, pick a number one through 25, we'll hit on that. And that'll really just give uh, a jumping off point for us to talk about things that matter. Uh, and then at the conclusion of our drive, uh, I really tr seek to pray those things into his heart and prepare him for the day. Uh, and that's a regular rhythm for us that's been really sweet and that I believe helps to set the tone of the day for my boy, to focus him on things that, are, uh, uh, that matter uh, before God. And it's another area for us of, of regular prayer uh, and what that looks like is just in dinner time. Uh, and, you know, we talked before getting up here, I would love to be practical. I know for me, uh, I've sat many times in the seats that you guys are in. I love to hear from other dads and things they do. And so to that end, uh, for us, things that we found really helpful uh, is that at prayer time for us as a family, uh, we'll pray for a few things. So each night we got a big chart on the wall and each night of the week, We'll have a, a couple in our community group that we're committed to pray for. We'll have uh, one of our family members, like extended family that we're committed to pray for. And then at Christmas time, uh, we like to uh, give Christmas cards and get them from friends. And so we'll get a bunch of Christmas cards in the mail and we stick those all in a big pile. And over the course of the year, we got this bucket and we put it on the table and the kids get to stick a hand in and pick a random card uh, throughout the year out of that bucket. And that's another friend that we're gonna intentionally pray for that night. And so the kids, hey, who wants dibs on? Who's praying for the Williams family? Awesome. Who's praying for, you know, Papa and me, Mom? You know, and then, okay, great. Uh, Dad's going to pray for uh, the butlers or whoever, you know, whatever card we've drawn out. Uh, and, and that's a way that we elevate, we make it just regular for our kids. That's a normal part of life is not just to think about our family and us, not just to pray about the things we want, uh, but to pray intentionally and purposely for other people that we care about and that God cares about. Uh, and then also bedtimes, uh, just the regularity of when we put kids down for bed, uh, that can be exhausting. When you have young kids, it is really easy for me at least um, to just be a, focused on the objective of getting the kids down sometime within maybe 45 minutes of when they're supposed to be down to bed. And I can rush that and I can miss opportunities with my kids. But, on, but when, I, when I'm slowing my heart down, uh, I just love those still moments at the end of the day or I'll, I'll lay in bed next to my boy, I'm putting him down uh, and I just ask him, I say, hey buddy, hey, what's one thing today that you would like to thank God for that, today? What's one thing you'd like to thank him for? What's one way that daddy can pray for you? Um, and, and those are just sweet moments. Uh, sometimes it is really hard to get something out of my five-year-old boy. And other times I just get a little glimpse into his heart uh, in those still moments and I pray for him. Uh, in that rhythm of my personal time with God in the mornings, uh, how I see uh, my kids off to school in the morning times, 
then family time over meals in the bedtimes, like that rhythm, uh, we just found a lot of great benefit in that as we sought to model that for our kids and, uh, and do that as a family. So let's talk about, uh, Ben used the word rhythms of prayer. Uh, and so, you know, for me personally, as I think about um, just praying for my kids, so I think there's praying with our kids and those rhythms that we can set for them. But I also want to remind myself, so I've got four alarms that go off on my phone every day that are set to kind of their birthdays that are just a reminder, okay, this is a time that I need to pray for. Josiah, I use the Echo app, if you guys have used that, where you can kind of write out exactly what you want to pray, just remind yourself. And so there's just some repetitive themes to my prayers. But what have you guys found, Mickey or Blake, uh, just helpful for reminding yourself to pray for your kids? Anything that is just kind of a, a helpful uh, nudge for you throughout your day of praying regularly in that way? You know, I just try to remember whenever I start worrying, whenever I start, wherever my, whenever my brain gets in a, in a cycle, um, just try to use that as a trigger to whenever I start thinking about some situation that my child's going to face or an answer that I don't have a good answer to or something my wife and I are trying to figure out where we're going to fall on some issue, whether it's how to handle a sensitive situation, whether a kid's going to get to do a sleepover, a stress that I'm, or a test that I'm stressing about for my kid, or, or just something I don't have a good answer for of why there's evil in the world, or, you know, something that a discussion, ongoing discussion we're having with our kids about something we saw in the news or heard about in the neighborhood. Um, just to remember that as soon as my mind goes to one of those, to use that as an opportunity uh, to pray. And then I also try to work in other silly stuff, like I'm trying to quit chewing my fingernails. And, but just every time I catch myself chewing on my fingernails, it's something I failed at for 40 years now. But just use that as a trigger to pray. Just the simple things that's like an automatic rubber band that I'm already wearing on my finger. Anytime that happens, use that as a reminder to pray for those who are most dear to me, starting with my wife and my kids. So just trying to work in those small, simple things as I go through my days. The reminders for me tend to make me mad because they happen whenever I'm going into a meeting or I'm already three tasks behind and I'm behind at 10 a.m. in the morning and then something else pops up on my phone. So me personally, that I've tried that and in different seasons it has worked, but in the season I'm in right now, I'm having to, to look for other ways to get a pebble in my shoe to, to remind me. So I throw that out just as other, other ways that help because each things work for us differently. Yeah, so I would just say considering the ages of different kids in here, um, you know, as Ben was talking about earlier, when my kids were really little, I just made it a point um, to go and either lie with them for a little bit while they're laying in bed, because that's when they would just talk, we're not distracted, right, and just sit there and talk about their day. And, uh, and I would pray with them, and I would always, when they were really little, I would just always tell them every single night, your mom, your dad, and Jesus love you. And I'd pray the gospel over them every night. It wasn't a memorized prayer, but it was continually conveying to them, hey, your mom, your dad, and Jesus love you. And I would, and I would pray for my child. Lord, I pray that Avery would come to know more uh, fully in their heart, in her heart, and her mind, the love of Jesus. I pray that she would see her need for you. I pray that she would seek first your kingdom. You would give her a vision for how you want to use her in this world. And I pray, Lord, that she would see that her mom and dad and Jesus love her. Amen. It might be as simple as that. But that would be, a, that would be something I would do every night with each of my kids. Um, as my kids have gotten older, I go to bed before they do. So uh, <laughs> I'm not in there tucking them in anymore. But um, we each now have a day of the week where um, we will text one another. Uh, something that either we will, 
would ask the, or the rest of our family to either be praying about or a verse that has encouraged us this week. So I take every Monday, I take some verse or something that I'm praying about for them or I'd ask them to pray for me. I'll send that out early on Monday. Rebecca takes Tuesday, Avery takes Wednesday. And so it's fun. It's fun to, as your kids get older and they come to know the Lord and they're cultivating a relationship with the Lord to receive a text, right, that um, you see something they're learning and you're going, wow, right? That, that encourages me. And so uh, that's, that's a regular rhythm, a, a little simple practice that, that we do. Uh, let's talk about what does it mean to pray honestly. So that's one of those that's up here. I think uh, I'd just love for maybe Mickey for you just to kind of start us off. What does that look like for you? How should we as dads be thinking about what it means to pray honestly, either with our kids, for our kids? What does that look like for you? Yeah, uh, I will share. I mean, this is something I've struggled with because whenever I come to God in prayer, a lot of times I'm thinking about what I should pray and what I should be feeling and um, what I need to do is start where I really am. And so a a psalm like Psalm 73 comes to mind where, um, you know, Asaph here starts out and says, hey, I'm going to start out by saying, God, you're good to Israel, but I was, I almost slipped. I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So he's starting with the level of honesty there that I fail to achieve a lot of times. He's starting out with God who already knows his heart by saying, hey, God, this is really where I'm at. And it's really kind of embarrassing. But rather than looking at you, I was really envious of the wicked. And I need to start there a lot of times by, by just thinking, man, God, I'm coming to you in prayer, not necessarily because I'm starting with having the best intentions of my children in mind, but I just want peace for a little bit. Like, I want something to be easy. I want my daughter not to get in trouble at school. I want my kids not to talk back to their mother. And so I'm coming to God at first with selfish motives. But then rather than saying, well, that's wrong and, and, and getting down on that, we start there and then we orient our heart to what we should be praying for our kids, what I need to be praying about for my kids, recognizing where I am honestly, and then reorienting my heart to, to say, hey, to end up in a place like at the end of Psalm 73, where, where he says, hey, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. A lot of times I find myself wanting to pray that, that the trial is removed rather than praying that we will learn to trust God and, and to, be, to learn what we are supposed to learn through that trial. And, and starting with that honesty is really important for me to make sure that my prayer ends up where it needs to end up, praying for the heart issues and praying what God is trying to do through us rather than me just wanting it to be easy. And another thing too, as as I try to pray honestly, um, I struggle with some of the, Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. And I need to work on that. That's one place I have to come back to. Um, I would rather do something than to be still. Um, But there's different ways to pray than just being still, physically still. So my best times in prayer are usually up walking around And this is why timing is important, or I put shades on my office so I can close them and shut the door. But I need to be walking around and just talking to God, like I'm talking to you, just kind of venting a little bit, honestly, where I'm at, or passionately pouring myself out. Sometimes I put on music just because it it helps to stir my affections in that way. But with movement, with saying stuff audibly, and with those triggers of either praying through a psalm or, or praying through a song, and that's where Shane and Shane songs and so many other songs are great just to have on, where I'm not having to manufacture like the thoughts and, 
and saying the right things, but I'm just able to let my heart just bubble up and then honestly pray about what's bubbling up in my heart through that song and then directing it through my, to my kids or, or whatever the subject is that I'm trying to pray for. That's another way that I really strive to pray honestly and, and it bears so much fruit because then it, it becomes something that bubbles up and springs out of me versus just a have to that I'm trying to check off as an act of penance or something. Yeah, I'll just add to that. I mean, I think about Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my own soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? You know, I read Psalm 13, and I think that's something we take for granted. And, um, you know, to Mickey's point, uh, we pray honestly. This, this, this gives us permission. The Lord knows our heart, gang. But somehow, maybe if you grew up in kind of a high church, formal church, um, we all of a sudden, we think when we come to God, we're, we're supposed to have this practice of ritualism that's just really not honest, not authentic, and uh, God's not impressed by our pious prayers, right? He's not impressed by our performance. He wants us to share our hearts. And Psalm 13 is a good example of how he invites us to do that. Yeah, Blake, I, I put you on the spot a little bit, but um, I mean, you went through a really dark season with one of your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and so talk about the honesty of those prayers as you're in hospital rooms, as you're at bedsides, as you're waiting on doctor's results and things like that. So if you might tell them, give them a little context for that and then jump into what your prayers looked like during that time. Yes, so, uh, boy, this is a box I don't open much. It's, it's been a while since uh, I've had to go through this season. It was a dark, really dark period in my life. Some of you know my story, my son, who's doing great now. Um, but when he was four, he was diagnosed with leukemia, which is a cancer of the blood. And, um, and that was five years of treatment every day. Five years, five years of treatment, chemotherapy every single day. And um, for three and a half years, uh, he was immune suppressed. So we found ourselves in hospital rooms constantly. We're in clinics constantly, all day long. Uh, He saw several friends pass away. We didn't know whether or not he was going to live. It was a dark period, a really dark period. And just the pious, mechanical formal, uh, you know, Sunday school kind of pat prayers or whatever, it's rubbish. I mean, uh, God, I was more thoroughly convinced through that season of my absolute dependence and desperation for God. And the Psalms gave me the words to pray. When I could not find the words myself, it was the... You know, some theologians refer to it as the dark night of the soul. It was the dark night of the soul. And I did not feel many times like praying. I was numb. Numb. Some of you men have been there before. And some of you men will be there. Trust me. And so for me, it was the Psalms gave me the words. They put... um, my prayer, they put words to my prayers of how I was feeling and gave me the permission to express the, the pain that I felt. And so um, th- those were, and, I, and what I'd say is, gang, you know, and I, I should put up here, uh, don't wait until you feel like it. Don't wait until you go, now I'm in the mood. Now, now I've made time. Your heart will grow a stronger affection 
and you will wake up. Trust me on this. I wake up with today with a greater um, excitement and sense of expectation because I'm, I'm working at hard at trying to know the Lord and conversing with God in prayer. And with the more you prioritize that, the more you seek him, the more he's going to reveal himself to you. And I'm just telling you this. Okay, there's no trick of like, you know what, I'm going to wait until I feel it. No, no, no. It's kind of like, it's like running. The first few days where you're running, you feel like it's mechanical and I'm out of shape and all those things. Or, hey, how do I pray? How do I run? All those. But the more you run, the better you feel after you run. And I'm just telling you, if you start off with just a little bit each day and you make it a priority, God's going to meet you there. And he's going to give you the words and you're going to walk away. If you pray until you pray, you're going to walk away and you're going to go, that was great. My soul's refreshed. I'm going to do that again tomorrow. And that's why I just commend to you um, carving out that time, seeking God, even when you don't feel like it and using the Psalms to do it. Yeah, so I, I always think of uh, that, that story of Jesus or the man who brings his son to Jesus mm-hmm. to heal him. And Jesus says, hey, don't you know? And his uh, prayer back is just, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. And I do think that is the, the heart of those honest prayers is going, God, I, I probably believe you for this. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I believe you for that. Will you forgive me for that? It's just that honest confession. And it really is the, the sanctif- uh, sanctifying work of the Spirit in our hearts through prayer is really praying. When I think about praying honestly, I, I feel like I'm praying more often for myself in that. And seeing the uh, kind of the, the, the um, landscape of my children's lives as the ground in which God is shaping me and he's training me in that. And so going, man, I, I, my son is sick. God, this doesn't seem fair. What are you trying to teach me? Help me, grow me. And just those, uh, you know, the cries of the groans as Romans 8 talks about, you know, of, that we can't even understand what that groaning is and yet our God knows and, and he meets us there. And so uh, real quick, uh, Ben, Blake already kind of alluded to it, but just the idea of praying biblically. You know, yeah. Blake talked about praying through the Psalms. What does that look like for you? And then we're going to toss it back to the tables here in just a minute. Yeah, and I think this really uh, relates to what, uh, to praying authentically. Uh, and, you know, while we're sitting up here on a stage and have the privilege of sharing with you men, uh, we are uh, four really imperfect dads. Uh, and we mess up uh, regularly. Uh, and, uh, and I think that uh, those are opportunities with our kids uh, to model authentic prayer and to model biblical prayer. And, and scripture that I think about with that is out of 1 John, and it may be familiar to some of you, uh, verse 8 and 9, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And, uh, and, and I think I just want to give voice to uh, there's incredible value and opportunity that when you fall short as a dad, for you to own that with your kids and you to model what it looks like to go before God in prayer, confessing that sin to him. Uh, and I think of many times where I become short, uh, I lose my temper, I raise my voice, I'm harsh uh, with my kids, and I gotta go and I gotta say, 
hey, sweet girl, hey, little boy, um, that wasn't daddy's best. Daddy was not showing you Jesus in that moment. Uh, will you forgive me? And then, and then pray with them. And we also, with our kids, it's one of the ways we're in a household of four young kids, uh, four little sinners with strong wills in the Caldwell household. Conflict is regular and conflict resolution is multiple times a day, every day in the Caldwell household. And when that happens, that's also an opportunity for us with the kids to, to model what does it look like and to teach them what does it look like to be reconciled in relationship with your brother or your sister, uh, but also to recognize that uh, when you choose your own way, that sin before God, and what does it look, look like to remind yourself? We have our kids, uh, when a kid goes to time out for something like that, uh, and when they get out, they get to reconcile, uh, be uh, reminded of the gospel, uh, and, to, uh, and to confess their sin before God. And I think it's a real practical way uh, that, uh, that we pray authentically and then also biblically. Uh, and I think my brief word on biblical to you guys would be, uh, it's just, it's praying scripture over your kids. It's praying things that are true. It's praying for things more than just asking for things. It's letting your kids hear you declare what's important in life through your prayers, that you would pray the things that matter to God. And so, hey, for, uh, for my boy, I'm, just, I'm not praying that he wins his little league game, like that's the end all for him, or that he would be a great athlete. I'm praying that he would be a young man that recognized the goodness of God, his love, and that learns that life is found in knowing the giver of life, and praying that he would be a young man that would be risen up as a servant leader. He would give his life that others may know the goodness of his Savior, and that he would be God's man. Like those kind of prayers, uh, those are things that I, I seek to do uh, for the kiddos. I think one of the reasons why we don't pray as we should, because we pray the same old things about the same old things. I really do. And that is boring, right? If you just say the same old things about the same old things, praying about the same old things, like I said, I pray for my family, I pray for my friends, I pray for my church. Those are good things. But if I just say the same thing about those things over and over again, there's nothing motivating to that. You're bored and that's not motivating. But if you use scripture, you never run out of what to say. You never run out of what to say. So just for example, let's say today, today is the day you're going to pray for your friends, your community group. Okay, Mickey's in your community group and you go to Psalm 23, a psalm that's familiar to all of us. Instead of just saying, Lord, would you bless Mickey? Would you bless his marriage? Would you bless his work? Would you bless his kids? Bless Mickey. Would you be with Mickey? Like, what does that mean? If God were to answer that prayer, would you even know that he answered it? Bless, what does it mean? And to be with him, guess what? You don't need to pray. God, would you be with Mickey? God is with Mickey. Okay, so we just say these phrases, traveling mercies and all this stuff, and we, those are just rote words, okay? But if you take a psalm, if you take God's word and you say, imagine the difference, hey, Lord, today, today I pray you and you alone would be my friend's shepherd. I pray he would look to you as the good shepherd today, not trusting in himself, knowing that you could fulfill his every want, his every need. Would you help him? Would you make him lie down in green pastures today <laughs> to know that rest is found in you, 
not in his accomplishments, not in his work, not in his bank account. May he find rest in the green pastures only you provide. Lead him beside still waters. May you restore his soul. Father, I pray that you would lead him in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. May he be an advocate for your name's sake today in his work, in his marriage, as he leads his kids. May he live for your glory. Do you see the difference? I'm allowing God's word to inform how I pray, what I pray, and I'm never going to run out of what I should pray because I'm just praying scripture back to God, which clearly means I'm praying according to God's will. So good. Well, uh, so two things you should definitely know today. Don't pray rub-a-dub and don't put, pray for traveling mercy. So those yeah, are the two things I learned today. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, hey, we want to give you a chance to, to talk about these at your table. Uh, actually, one other thing. Uh, Chris Sims actually last month mentioned uh, the Pray the Word podcast. That's David Platt's deal. That's a five-minute daily podcast that if you want just an example of, man, I don't even know how to pray God's Word. I mean, this morning was Hebrews 11.1. And he just talked about what does this verse mean? And then he prays for himself, for his church, for the nations or whatever out of that. And it's just a great, it's something you can do with your kids. Chris talked about that last month. But if you're just trying to figure out, man, what does that even look like to pray God's word? That's a simple uh, daily example that you can listen to in five minutes on your drive into work or with your kids or whatever. So I'd commend that to you. But right now, I'd love to, these guys are a wealth of wisdom and there's tons of guys out here who are leading your tables who also have some great things that you can pick their brains on. So I'm gonna give you about 30 minutes at your tables just to talk through some of what we've shared this morning and then we'll circle back up here in about 30 minutes and close up our morning. So thanks guys.